Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I don't have any beef with Wyndham Clark. That's just worth saying from the off here. No particular beef with him anyway. I respect the man's achievement in winning a first major. I admire his ability to close the deal on the 18th, just when it looked like he was ready to throw it all away. But come on, Wyndham. Could you not have politely stepped aside to give Rory McIlroy his major? At least put him away a few holes earlier so we could all get to bed <laughs> over here. Or maybe... Do one or the other, like... Try not being Wyndham Clark. Just try being Brooks Kepka instead. Yeah. <laughs> that would have done the job. Admittedly, the last one, a tall order. Welcome to the pod. Hey, Murph. Mm. I mean, I can't believe Rory uh, lost a major to Wernham Hogg or Wyndham Clark or whatever the hell the guy's <laughs> name is. <laughs> I've already forgotten what he looks like. <laughs> I actually never really... His face never really no, cemented it itself in my brain. It did not quite land. I mean, if you told me he was Harris English, I, I mean, there's no, literally no way I'd fight you on it. Watching you know? on mute, if you're watching on mute, you would have you would have been congratulating Harris English this morning. Yeah. <laughs> the Wyndham Clark backstory is really good, in fairness. His mother, really good, sorry, it's very sad in a lot of ways. His mm. mother died when he was young, so she was big into golf. She had introduced him to the game before she died. If anyone was watching the coverage yesterday, you would have heard she urged him to play big were some of her final words. And he certainly did that in LA, deservedly winning the tournament and then letting the emotion flow on the final green, which kind of made me feel like, okay, I, I forgive yeah, you a, for... a bit of a dirtbag what, for... What's uh, happened there? Wanting him to fail yeah, so yeah, yeah. intensely for it, the previous three hours. His best finish was a tie for 75th before this, best major finish. So it really is. It's extraordinary for him. He led by three with three to play, at which point it would have been fair to hit the scratcher, you mm. know? But he bogeys 16 forcing us to stay up bogey 17 suddenly Rory's only one down can't abandon this thing now then he steadies himself for a par in the final hole to win the thing all the while McElroy is trying and failing to sink a single decent putt got to the point last night Murph that I didn't want to text you in case you'd given up and gone to bed mm. so I was 
sending out the occasional tweet, yeah. which is really just a signal to you that I'm still awake <laughs> if you want to WhatsApp me <laughs> about oh, no, the sorry. plan for the, the Basically, show. Basically, what happened was I got involved in a Twitter conversation and there were some replies to that, so I didn't even go on like Twitter proper. Oh, you I never even like saw that? checking okay. in on the conversation. Well, I could have just texted you then. I just, yeah, you could. Just, you know, we're just trying to figure things out. And, and even then I was breaking off today. to like tweet p- to WhatsApp people in the Twitter group uh, singly because like ah who's who knows who's up and who isn't at this stage it was a grueling night a grueling night's viewing West Coast majors they need to be banned it's as simple as that or even just play it at the like normal time like just yeah. put it on earlier in the day Lit- I mean like Wyndham Clark was given out was on Saturday on about Saturday. it like, yeah, yeah. Why, about it, why are we playing in the dark here <laughs> yeah, of all of all the majors to be finishing in the uh, dark why are you finishing a West Coast strange one major yeah. in the dark you, your viewing experience wasn't helped by one member of the Sky commentary team well I mean I think it was like the 12th hole I mean we're, we're not talking about like the 4th hole or the 5th hole there McGin- Paul McGinley comes into the Sky Sports commentary box and like literally the first thing he says as his stint begins is Rory's doing great here. And I was like, okay, well, that's a take. Uh, I hope you've got like some obscure statistic, which Paul McGinley often has, mm. to back up what exactly he's saying here. And I was like, Rory's doing great. Everything is, everything is fine. Everything is under control. I mean, it's after 1am on a Sunday where I've already spent like a lot of time yeah. watching the Ashes, watching the GA, watching... Let's face it, an obscene amount of sport. What I don't need is for Paul McGinley to come in <laughs> after 1am and start gaslighting me about how well Rory McIlroy is playing. Like, Paul, uh, we've seen this story before. And Last it wasn't year at the ago. Open. Yeah. Literally 11 months ago, we saw Rory McIlroy hitting the heart of the green, uh, chasing a few putts close, Leaving a couple of more putts, uh, an uncomfortably uh, an uncomfortable distance uh, short. I mean, we've seen exactly this story. Rory hasn't hit a killer approach shot all all day. He hasn't hold a single putt all day. Do not come out here and tell an extremely tired, and really already quite nervous Kiro Murphy that everything is fine because it's not fine, and we know wow. it's not fine. <sighs> Listen, Got that off your chest. Galway had lost in reasonably traumatic circumstances. It, there had been a build-up. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Well, we'll get to that. We but the, the, your description beginning there reminds me of what's the CNN guy who does the magic wall? Oh, uh, John King. Kinger. John yeah. King, yeah. Sean McEnry. Straight out of Galway, is he? What's yeah. For us, Kuna Mava. Indeed, yeah. He, in 2016, when it was blindingly obvious to even, uh, <laughs> you know, an amateur such as myself who's watched a few US elections, what was starting to go down here. Do uh, you remember you'd be looking at the, at the New York Times, have that, they have that barometer thing yeah, that swings, yeah. Pre- and it was swinging wildly towards Trump. And so Kingers are going, well, you know, there's still a lot of votes to be counted in Jefferson County. <laughs> if 125% of those come yeah. out Democrat, Hillary's still got a chance in that state. Uh, it's like, no. Give it over. up, Kinger. Give it up, McGinley and Kinger. McElroy sounded deflated afterwards, obviously, but he also, you know, he talked about how disappointing it is to come up short, but he also struck a somewhat defiant tone. It is, but... At the same time, you know, when I do finally win this next major, it's going to be really, really sweet. So, you know, I would go through a hundred Sundays like this to get my hands on another major championship. Uh, yeah, it's a nice line by Rory for sure that he'd do another hundred Sundays like this to get there. But yeah, obviously, the worry we, is he might there is, do, Yeah, there is a chance that he'll do a hundred more of these Sundays and not win mm. another one, which is... And yeah, I mean, it was just an extremely frustrating 
um, <laughs> an extremely frustrating evening, night and early morning. Gavin Cooney noticed an interesting exchange at the end of the Sky interview with Rory. You know, I just got to keep putting myself in these positions and, you know, sooner or later it's going to happen for me. Surely well, well done, Rory. Thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> Why does it say normal? Uh, sound normal when Cara Banks says it, but not when you thanked <laughs> Ben Ryan for coming? I, mean, <laughs> I can't believe that I'm again justifying this, but... What I meant was thanks for coming over to speak to me. No, and that's you know, what. I mean, you, but that, I do. I recall, and I can't can't find the clip. But I, it's seared in my memory. The way you thanked him really sounded like thanks for coming to your own championship match. Very clear there. The car is thanking Roy for fulfilling mm. his media duties even after losing a game. Oh, but you've misplaced the audio. That would uh, what is the word I'm saying? Uh, clear my you? name. Exonerate yeah. me. Yes, you've you've lost the audio. You've misplaced the audio. I don't maybe need the audio it's up here it's in the head maybe you dropped the audio in the North Sea did you on a fishing expedition is that what happened on? I do go on a few of those mm-hmm. on occasion in contrast to Rory's passive play Leona Maguire went and grabbed the Meyer LPGA Classic by the scruff of the neck for her second LPGA title a closing run of six holes birdie eagle par yeah Birdie, birdie, birdie for a closing 64 to win by two. That is how you dominate a final day. So we'll talk about Leona Maguire as well as Rory with Joe Callahan and Lawrence Donegan. But you mentioned Galway yesterday, Murph, and their late defeat to Armagh was just one of a number of dramatic moments. I mean, it is great that the football championship has begun. <laughs> Middle football, of June. The football championship began in April alone. Yeah. And uh, let there be no, let there be no gain saying, but it, it did feel like uh yeah we we finally got down to business yesterday and what business i mean it, there's there's something about the last minute free to win to you know avoid defeat to get through I mean, when when stuff boils down to something as elemental as that, which was happening in the Galway game and simultaneously in, in the, the other Tyrone game, Westmead game. So West, the Armagh point was to go that they kicked at the end was to win it yeah. and go top instead of third. They would have yes. missed third if they'd missed it. Westmead missed a free that would have actually got them into yeah. the position. And would have knocked Toronto out, and knocked Toronto out entirely. Yeah. So that's the dream scenario when we're talking about all these different, the fact that you get two team, th- three teams go through, which I still think is, uh, there would have been more drama, for example, in the Kerry, Cork, Mayo, Loud group yeah. if you had a situation where two teams are going through there. Then the last Cork the point that Cork kicked against Mayo would have mm. actually knocked Mayo out of the championship altogether. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I do still feel just one final tweak and you're there, GA. Yeah, but I know in general that might be nitpicking on this day when gales around the country are rejoicing in the fact that there actually was a lot of drama in yeah. the group, and they certainly are rejoicing on. Uh, they just, I, you know, it, it's it's just a pity that the the two groups that really came down to you know what happened in other games just. Diego and Ortiz just they weren't on top of it and they weren't telling us the scores at the exact moment that we needed to to know all about it and that was a real pity because like Cork Mayo like if you didn't figure out you had to figure it out yourself that it a win by three puts them in second rather than third in the group and similarly you had to actually go on Twitter to find out what the score was in the Toronto Westmead game which had Huge ramifications while you're watching on, on RT. While you're watching, watching on RT, yeah. yeah, I was on some I saw some live table being tweeted, which was very helpful. But yeah, yeah, it yeah. was strange. There weren't more in game at half time. They were certainly showing the table and the permutations, or whatever. Yeah, but during the second half, then not 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 really from what I could hear. Yeah. There certainly weren't regular updates. Exactly, and you know, you you are actually you're trying to watch different things and watch you know double screening and all the rest. But when it came down to it, the the free that Shane Walsh hit that he missed. If that goes over, Armagh finishing third. If 
it goes wide, definition first, and that wasn't relayed. And that's like it's like this is what we we wanted was this huge amount of drama and you just want people to be aware of the drama as opposed to okay well we we know what the score is in this game but we need to know <laughs> we just need the full context you know which is just a pity and it happened on on both broadcasters this weekend well it's Learnings to take there, Murph, by the sounds of things. Flynn and Murphy on the show on Wednesday for World Service members. And they're excited, by the way. Yeah. Can I just say, <laughs> they had a whale of a weekend. They're excited to talk Gaelic football. It feels, it feels like they've been waiting a while. They've, to done get- a, they've done a very good job, I'm going to say, Michael Murphy and Paul Flynn, in feeding off scraps for the last yeah. two months and yet delivering some pretty damn fine podcasting material. Yeah. So... It is nice to actually have some drama to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and the draw this morning that wasn't exactly short on oh, yeah. m- mouth-watering uh, ties either. So plenty to talk They're about. They're on a Wednesday. The reason that's not tomorrow is in part because Richie and Damien Delaney are going to be on tomorrow post-Gibraltar. There's also Ireland versus Zambia in the Women's World Cup warm later in the week, which we'll be covering. And we're meeting Eddie Dunbar, the Irish cyclist who recently nailed the top 10 finish at the Giro d'Italia. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the World Service. Our members will tell you that. If you ever meet a member, this is a message to the non-members, if you ever meet a member in real life, allow them to mm. do our bidding for us. A second world, a World Service member is just a friend you haven't met, exactly. met yet. So sign up now if you're not already signed up on secondcaptains.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'll give you the unvarnished account of what happened, will I? There was a train at like one o'clock back to Paris. Arrived at the station in Saint-Étienne before that train was due to go to find utter bedlam. The seat numbers weren't being respected. It was with an air of foreboding. I went to find Place 41 and, as I expected, it already contained a tired-looking England fan, Geordie man, probably in his late 20s. He knew why I had come, and I looked at him sternly and waggled my ticket and said, Sorry, mate, it's actually my seat. And he said, sorry, mate, we've actually just been told to sit anywhere. The seat numbers don't count. Basically tough shit. I've sulked and stomped around a little bit and complained and sent angry text messages to people who didn't care. Then I thought, there's no point in just sitting here. Who knows what might happen? Possession was now 100% of the law. You have to go and find someone else whose seat you can take. So I started walking along the train and in the very end carriage, there was a couple of empty seats. Ah. Oh, that's interesting. I went on to the first empty seat I saw. I tried to sit down. The England fans there said, sorry, mate, our friend's there. So I said, okay. Moved up, went to the next empty seat, sat down. Guy next to it, no complaints. Well, the situation seems to have changed. I'm now one of the haves rather than the have-nots. 
few minutes later, as I suspected it might, previous owner of the seat came along and said, sorry, mate, that's my seat. And I said, sorry, mate, my seat is actually Watcher 12 Class 41, but there's someone sitting in it. So I just came and sat in this seat, which, which is unoccupied. There's a lot of us in the same boat. And he said, but that's ridiculous. I've just gone to the canteen and I got this orangina. And I said, I know, I'm really sorry. It's really unfair. The system is a total shambles. He walked away saying the word tosser. I felt bad for the guy. Maybe he didn't realize that he was in the jungle. He still thought he was on the train, but this was actually a jungle. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I can't really complain about that characterization of my behavior at this moment. However, I do have a seat and I don't think anyone saw. Joe Callahan and Lawrence Donegan join us for the latest in our series of Rory doesn't quite get it done chats. Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, guys, how are we keeping? Lawrence, how's the form? Um, I'm holding up under the <laughs> the torrent of emotions. Well, what are the emotions then? What's what's swirling around in that head of yours? Oh, this morning? No, I'm only I'm only joking. I think you know what. Again, I'm not it's, not it's not saying anything original. It just seems like the the Open Championship last year, yeah. just beaten by a better player on the day. Um, again, very similar final round from from Rory. Uh, Wyndham Clark actually. I mean, I've seen a lot of who's this and who's that. I mean, that guy has got a real pedigree. If you're a golf nerd like me following American college golf, he was a top, top player uh, as a college golfer. Uh, if you notice, actually, in the PGA Tour these days, the guys who are winning every week or most weeks are these guys who've been grinding away for five or six years. They've paid their dues. They've done their time. They were great players when they went, when they started out in their pro life. Mm. Wyndham Clark's very much out of that mode. But looking at, you look at his uh, recent performances. I mean, he, he won at the Wells Fargo a month ago, and he's got, what, another... Well, a top, a twelfth, and two two top tens. He's a he's a baller. I mean, it's no. I guess nobody really heard of him before, but he can. He's a good player. He he could do something because he hits at miles, hits it pretty straight, and he's got a sensational short game. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so no shame to lose to him. Obviously, really disappointing. You would think, you know, Rory and the kind of crux. You would think, oh well, maybe he'll get a bit of spark. But now he just turned in a performance like. Like he did last July. Actually, I, I think it played against him because he was playing with Scheffler. I think he ended up playing Scheffler, same as last year at St Andrews. He ended up playing Hovland, and I think that that might have that That's might have done him. Madness, though. The, the guy's uh, a seasoned pro. He, he he should know he's playing whoever else is top of the scoreboard, and not the guy playing alongside him. Surely. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's not scary for these guys. But it's, there's a lot going on and. You know, Scottish Scheffler is the best player in the world. You'd have to say that, wouldn't you? And you think, well, if I beat Scheffler, I'm going to win this. Um, and, and and that's just how it goes. I mean, you kind of know these things, but... But a glance at the scoreboard as you're going around without getting too hung up on what others are doing would tell him that really... I know he talked a lot about the game plan that he had and he was sticking to it, but at a certain point, that has to adapt a little bit. No, and, and Yes, there's no shapes. There's no shame in losing to anyone. I mean, he tried his best. He lost the golf tournament. But he never really laid a glove on this Wyndham Clark character and didn't push him. And, uh, you know, as well as Clark played, he did wobble near the end. And yet Rory just never put himself in a position to exploit his lack of experience on this big stage. That's a really, I mean, it's a really interesting kind of, kind of point that because at what stage do you do you just say, okay, plan out the window because look what happened. You know, Rory was three behind playing 15. You know, and, you know, do you, do you start just going for everything at that point? Or do you just, well, hang on a second. Uh, you, you know, let's just see what happens. And lo and behold, 
you know, he gets on the 17th tee. He's, he's only one behind. He needs to birdie one of the last two and kind of, or, or par both of them. And that guy's, that guy's, you've got to think that guy's, he's just bogey two in a row. Poor bogeys as well. Terrible bogey in 15. And you think, well, hang on a minute here. Um, so, again, it's an interesting, but at what point do you chuck it? You know, why do you chuck the plan out the window and just go for the pins? Because those last three holes are there are just brutal. I mean, these are like over five, I can't remember what the yardages are, but it's a long, long way for par fours. And the pins were pretty nasty. I mean, so, again, if you if you, you're signed for your, your card and you're, you know, you're hoping that the, the guy bogeys the final hole, you, it's not a forlorn hope. So I mean I don't know I mean who, none of us know but he uh, yeah I, again you need, th- that's you, what happened. you need a birdie you though of, you, you, get, you need to get stuck in at some stage and I don't know I don't know what you feel about this Joe I'm not saying go I'm not saying throw the plan at the window after nine holes and start going for mad shots and it's not even so much the strategy it's more just you got to make one of those the, and not so, even so much the putts there was a lot of there was a lot of focus on the putts that he missed I mean. He, most of them were twenty percenters. It's what you'd see the, the put percentage chance coming up, and they weren't easy puts uh, at all. In fact, they would have been pretty remarkable puts. Some of them if they dropped, but he wasn't. I didn't think putting himself even into great positions to get the sort of ten, twelve footers that then he he should be holding. Yeah, like if you look at the positions he was in, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. When you kind of actually, if if you saw a putt that had a chance of twenty percent, you were quite hopeful because most of them were around six or eight percent. You're like, oh, twenty percent, happy days. Here we go. Uh, but just to go back to Lawrence's point, I think one of the biggest shots of the entire week was Wyndham Clark's birdie on 18 on Saturday night yeah. to get him into the final group with Ricky because, look, Ricky hadn't been there. I, I, we all kind of had a small sense that Ricky, in spite of how good he'd been, might flake away. And it kept him away from Rory too for Wyndham Clark. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think one thing, and I do agree with Lawrence, this felt like St. Andrews all over again. And yet it felt worse to really? me anyway. Like, because, I don't know, it just coming within 12 months of St. Andrews to have this again, a kind of a, he was the best four ball partner you could ever want, Rory. You know, he was fine in the middle of fairways. He was fine in the wide part of greens and everything was, you know, every lag putt was perfect. But outside of, I think there were two 12 footers and obviously the three putt on the eighth on the par five was like, that was a real killer because he had gone six straight pars after the birdie on the opener, Rory. And at that point, if you imagine the piece, going to get a birdie right before the turn it would have put him in an outright lead at the time he didn't get that and he just kind of fell back into kind of cars and lag putts and the percentages weren't great but yeah what what felt worse to me i think don't get me wrong it's not to take away from Wyndham clark you know and as lawrence said he's common he's got serious pedigree but am smith had to kind of burn up st andrews to beat rory last year Wyndham clark won a, his first major by just going around in 70 and Rory miss out by one. I think that's what kind of felt like getting beaten by a guy who goes around an even par. You know, St. Andrews made Rory cry last year. This one, <laughs> it wasn't obviously as kind of wild as Camp Smith, but Rory just kind of stayed put. And yeah, there's something about it. I kind of think back, this is a long back time now, but like Sports Illustrated when Rick Riley used to write the back page and he referred to Sergio Garcia as golf's Eeyore. And I don't think we're there with Rory yet. But there's something very, uh, not troubling, but just very kind of the, the nature of St. Andrews and here. Yes, beaten by the better guy for sure, but going around a little bit boring more than anything else. Yeah, Lawrence, I mean, I think the 
you know, we can be guilty of of going in too harsh on Rory, but at the same time, these rounds don't happen in a vacuum. You know, um, Wyndham Clark wasn't playing in a vacuum yesterday. He had a chance. Rory had chances to see if Clark had the stomach for it. And time and time again, he failed to ask the question. And when Clark made mistakes, at no stage, you know, even as he's making the mistakes, he's like, well, am, am I going to get punished for this? Actually, the longer it went on, I'm actually not going to get punished for it. You know, that he was able to uh, put these mistakes behind him because he saw that he wasn't actually getting getting punished for them. And I think that that's the really frustrating thing, that uh, the, the, me- the mental side of the game... You know, Rory had all the advantages in that he's older, more experienced. He's been in this situation tons of times before. He never asked the question of Clark's guts for it. And that's the real frustration. Well, I, I sometimes think, and I'm guilty of as, as everybody else, or more than everybody else. Look, I'm just reading it. Rory's last seven majors, second, eighth, tied fifth, third, missed cut, tied seventh, second. See if that was anybody else. See if that was Brooks Kepka. We'd be like, Mind you, we could probably have a couple of wins in there. But, you know, you can only, as a professional golfer at that level, you can only kind of, I mean, Rory spoke about this afterwards last night, you can only put yourself in the kind of positions. And I know you're saying, oh, you know, he didn't kind of, that wasn't a golf course where you could go chasing. That wasn't St. Andrews. Cam Smith shot 64 last year on the old course, but that was a golf course you could you could pull apart, you could chase it. That golf course last night, you, you know, well, you've got to remember, one bad shot and you're done. I mean, he got away with I mean, he got away with it on 14. You, you, you know, but you one bad shot and you're looking at a double bogey and you're done. And that, I guess that's, you know, that's in the back of the mind. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood shot 63 yesterday because, you know, there's nothing, you know, he wasn't going to win it. You know, so he's playing with absolutely zero, zero, zero pressure. So whereas Rory's playing, you know, because he knows the whole world is watching. And the whole world wants him to win. He knows that. That has to be a, a little extra pressure. So he can't afford to go out and do a – well, he can, but, he's a, but he can't afford to go and do a Tommy, what Tommy Fleetwood yesterday. Cam Smith was given a golf course that was, was there for the taking, and he, and he did it. Uh, by the way, he holds, I think, what, 220 foot of putts. Um, Wendell Clark's a brilliant, really great putter. I think he, he holds uh, over the week – I think it was 85 foot of putts. An average PGA Tour winner holds 100 foot of putts a week. That day, Cam Smith holds 220 foot of putts. So, um, you, you know, the other thing is, I think what's Rory, 31, 32? I can't remember right off the top of my head. But but Mickelson never won his first major until he was 34. So we're all going on about Rory's missed 33. What are you, know, he, he is 34. Yeah, he's 34 years of age, believe it or not. A Rory as geez, yeah. well, I remember watching the Royal County Down when he was seventeen uh, at, the, at the Walker Cup. Um, but there you go, you know. So if he has Phil Mickelson's career from here, he's won ten majors, you know, uh, and that's you know legendary stuff. That's uh, in the hall, you know, the Hall of Fame, God, golf's Hall of Fame. But but you know, as ten majors, that's you know top ten of all time. You know, you're looking at Hogan, Watson, Nicholas, Tiger. You know, Mickelson's not in it. You know, so that's not bad for for Rory McIlroy. And the other thing I want to say, it's really you know so hard, and there's so many good players now. The depth of field in these events is so much greater than when Nicholas was racking up majors. Even when Tiger was racking up majors, Tiger would show up at the U.S. Open and think he probably had four or five guys. He think he would think, oh, I've got those are the guys I've got to beat. But that's really it. He turned up now. Obviously, Rory's not a dominant player in the way that Tiger was, but, I mean, there's 25 guys. 
And I tell you what, you know, it's Wyndham Clark right now, but you know, there's there's more and more coming down the pipe. I mean, look at that kid, Sergeant. You know, the low amateur, Gordon Sargent. He's 20 years old, still at college. Uh, I mean, just a brilliant player. And this weekend, well, actually, there's a kid just, uh, he's a Belgian kid. Don't ask me to pronounce his name. But he's, he played his first Corn Ferry Tour event last week and he won. Second Corn Ferry Tour, finished on Sunday, lost in a playoff to a kid who just graduated, Ricky Castillo, who just graduated from the University of Florida, 21 years old. Uh, there's, there are waves and waves are coming. But um, so, again, just to get back to my point, he's, he's, he's playing great, Rory. And, you, you know, if it was anybody else, instead of kind of, you know, analysing this as, oh, my God, there's some kind of psychological barrier. If it was anybody else, you'd look at it. But, but like we used to look at Mickelson before he won his first of six majors. But look at you, well, it's coming, it's coming. He's just put himself in, in position and eventually, you know, he'll, he'll nick one. And you know what? I think that's what's going to happen. I think Rory's going to nick one. I think he maybe thought I'll, I'll nick this one yesterday, but he, you know he'll get another chance uh, coming up, and then he, you know he'll put himself in more positions. He'll nick one, and if he wins, I think he'll win a bunch because you know thirty-three w- without one is again it is uh, it's kind of a statistical freak given how well he's been playing and given that you know he's finishes in major championships over the years. Yeah, uh, Joel Malachy was Malachy Kirkham was writing in the Irish Times uh, just in the last couple of hours. Mal- McElroy takes more incoming fire for getting close to glory than someone like Shane Lowry gets for staying stuck in the pack. McElroy uh, has had vanishingly few peers. The exact point that Lawrence has made when it comes to performing in the toughest we- toughest weeks in the sport across the past decade. Yet so- somehow he has become a byword for failure on the biggest stage. This is all very fair, but his mal listens to Lawrence as we record this. Chat. Uh, perhaps I'm, I'm I mean, writing his piece based on <laughs> what, what Lawrence is saying. But but. The fact of the matter is, Joel, if you ask McElroy, it's a failure. You know, so it's not even a case of, oh, you know, we're being unfair on McElroy. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you ask McElroy last night what he thought yesterday was and what he thought the weekend was, he'd say it's a failure because this is like the, the that's the rarefied air he, he breathes. Like that's the talent he has. Uh, when, you know, the the comparison with Lowry is is valid up to a point, but, you know, Shane Lowry is not the most talented golfer in the field every time he tees it up. And that's the pressure that McElroy has more, you know, almost every every time. And that's the reality. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's like sports fans being unfair when they say McElroy can't get it done. I think it's a, an understanding that he has all the ability in the world and it just, he just hasn't managed to, to, to get the job done. Yeah, like obviously, look, we're talking about um, the most crowded fields in sports. Uh, if we're going to say what is the worst take in Irish sports commentary, but I think the worst take in Irish sports commentary is that Rory McIlroy is a fake, a fraud, a failure. He is absolutely, you know, dominant in for like Lawrence. Lawrence listed it off since 2021. There's one miscut, and I think once outside the top ten in the major. But even still, the records Rory is racking up in in what you or what he Murph would call failure are incredible. Like his two hundred and seven, his two seventy one total yesterday for over the for the U.S. Open was the lowest score seventy two score in the history of the U.S. Open not to win it. His uh, greens and regulation were the most ever by someone who didn't go on to win it. And I think the same was true last year in St Andrews in, in terms of final round. No one had gone and done 18 greens in regulation uh, in, a, in a final round of a British Open and not won the thing. And Rory keeps kind of racking up these. I know these are all kind of great uh, great testaments to failure, 
Um, but yeah, I, I think, look, he will see it as failure. And yet I, I did love his answer that, <laughs> although for those of you at home who were staying up for 4am, you probably didn't like the answer. But when he said, I'll go through a hundred more of these Sundays just to win one, I'd happily go through a hundred more of these Sundays just to win one. If they're on, if they're um, on the East Coast, we'd be fine with it. I just, I wonder one, one last thing though, for Lawrence, the Harry Diamond question that comes up no. sometimes with failure. Like, where do you sit on it? I, I've i seen it, and then I kind of made the mistake of kind of half throwing it out there yesterday evening myself where I was like, I sense if this goes wrong, people who ask Harry Diamond questions may ask Harry Diamond questions again because six years with him on the bag, no major. Uh, would a Billy Foster oh. or would, a, would someone else make a difference? Yeah. No, I've I've come to the conclusion. Uh, this will sound terrible. I think there's maybe three caddies in the world in, the, in my time being around professional golf. There's three caddies that would make a difference, and the rest of them are just you know. And Rory, not that I'd know Rory particularly well, but Rory's not going to Rory's not going to listen to a caddy. It's just not. He wants a mate. Rory wouldn't listen to Pete Cowan. Pete Cowan. He took Pete Cowan. He, he got he, he emptied Michael Bannon for about six six weeks. Pete Cowan, I know Pete, Pete Cowan is a is a he is a blunt guy. Pete Cowan is a brilliant, brilliant um, you know swing coach. Uh, Rory, you got to start hitting a fade because and uh, you know Rory just emptied him. You know I can't not listen to this. He doesn't. You know he's just not that guy. So Harry's his mate, and and that that's you know together. There's nothing that. There is nothing that well, maybe Steve Williams would be the guy, but you know, Harry's not going to say something that's going to get Rory in bother in terms of well, where it might be a slight thing. You know, if Steve Williams was there, he'd be saying, "Well, what are you doing? You're not hitting that. I mean, you did it to Tiger. You know, you're not. You're not. That's not the line of the putt." But Rory doesn't want that, and if he's not comfortable in the situation, you know, with a person who's on his bag, you know, it's, that's not going to work. So yeah, I've given up on the whole. I've given up on the whole Rory Carey stuff. I used to be right into JP all the time. I tell you one, I don't want to bring up the 2011 Masters again, but that was a one time, you know, where I would have thought, because oh, the kids, you know, Rory was a kid then, his head was scrambled. He needed Steve Williams on the bag. Um, but I've given up on the, on the you know, Harry, it's the Harry Diamond's fault. I, I said, my kid plays elite amateur golf, and I say to him all the time, you know, don't stop, blames me for everything. I'm not even at the golf course. You know, you know so... <laughs> Stop blaming, you know, stop blaming the, you know, it's Rory. You know, Rory makes all the decisions, you know. By the way, having been, just very quick detour here, I'm full of quick detours, quite detour. Having been caddying in professional events, it's scary. It's, you know, a guy, you, a guy's playing for history. That's what made Steve Williams so brilliant. He knew his player was playing for history and he still had the balls to say no. This is what you're doing. This is a club. This is a putt. You know, that putt, again, go back to 1999 Medina. You know, the putt, I can't remember what, 15th or 16th green, and Williams read the putt, and it was correct. That was Tiger's Christmas card to Williams that year. Thank you very much for the read on whatever. But, you know, Rory doesn't want a guy like Steve Williams. He didn't want a guy like like Pete Cowan on his, as his swing coach. He doesn't want a guy like Steve Williams on the bag. So there's no point in... You know, talking about it, thinking about it, wishing for it. It's never going to happen. By the way, Harry Diamond's a great, a great lad, and he was a great golfer, a great golfer. Uh, won the West of Ireland, which is that's no, there's no mugs within the West of Ireland. So he, you know, he knows his golf. So to try and paint him as somebody who's kind of ignorant of you know all these armchair guys 
like me sitting in there, you know, whatever, you know, throwing peanuts at the TV saying, Harry, what, you, you know, Harry's a, a good player. What you maybe, you know, as I say, you maybe want somebody who'd tell Rory, you know, no, that's not it. But you're not, you, you know, Rory wouldn't put up with a guy. So not Harry's fault. Sorry. Wasn't JP's fault either, except for that one no. shot in the tenth, two thousand eleven. Three wood off a hanging lie after you'd been in the cabin. So I'll, I'll never, I'll never. I was right there watching that. I couldn't believe it. You okay with that answer, Joe? Yeah, that, that like that's that's spot on. I was actually back home in Russ's Point last summer, and I saw Harry's name up on the wall. And yeah, I, I it was a bit foolish of me to kind of raise it myself. I was kind of saying the people who do this will do this, and then I became one of the people who did that. Well, this is yeah. the oh, by the way, you go on, yeah. No, it's just a question. When Joe said the worst take ever, I thought he was going to say um, Malachi Clerkin. And now he's types. That's most Mondays, yeah. That, that would have been a harsh yeah. word. Yeah, but uh, poor, poor Mal. He's not here. We need, he needs right of reply. <laughs> I've here often enough on yeah, that. Yeah, true. No, people do start scratching around for reasons, I think, like the, the caddy yeah. or whatever else it might be. Because, and, and they will do until. It's funny because Rory McIlroy has won four majors as well. It's, it feels yeah. as though Rory is now the best player never to win a major. Do you know what I mean? Even though he's won four yeah. of them, which is more than almost the entirety of the amount of people who but, ever but played golf. Listen, if you want, if you're looking for reasons, R- Rory's wedge game isn't you know isn't anywhere near the rest of his his ball fight and his wedges. If you if you want to get technical, but his ball his ball fight is far too high. You know, Pete Cowan tried to change that, and he wouldn't have it. Rory wouldn't have it. Really? And I'm looking. I, I called up the uh, the putting stats. You know, you you need a birdie down the last uh, the 17th and the 18th last night. Rory from long distance putting. His, you know, his average is. T- I mean, putting from 25 foot and over 172nd in the PGA Tour, 20 to 25 foot, 181st. Uh, you know, he's just he's just a crap long putt. I mean, he's a decent light putter, but he's he's not a guy. Yeah. You some guys stand over a 30 footer, and you just know. Like Jordan Spieth, you know, he always looked like a guy who Rory never looks. It's never looked like a guy who can hold thirty footers. He just never has. Uh, you know, whereas you know there are guys out there. Spieth particularly springs to mind. Cam Smith, they're standing over that. They're standing over that putt on the 18th last night. Thing, I'm going to, I'm going to jar this. I mean, Rory had two good putts, but they were just kind of like putts. They kind of got up there and they didn't really threaten. So you know, if you're looking for reasons why he doesn't win, that that's it. He needs to. Listen to me, another armchair critic. But you know, he needs to improve his wedge game. He always has, and he needs to be a you know, he needs to hold more putts. Well, he, he, he needs to listen to more people. By the sounds of what you're saying, there. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? His head would be absolute. The number of people offering him advice. No, sorry. I mean, I mean, oh I, I mean, I mean, get whoever he needs that he that he trusts. Or, you know, the, these golfers he's, sometimes change. They listen to a different psychologist. They go for a different swing coach. But commit to this person and say, or to one or two people, and, and say, say I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to take all this on board because I'm not finding all the answers myself. He's always been ahead. He's always been headstrong. Never really. I mean, I guess he listens to Jerry, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you know, off the course, he'll have a few fanat. You know, he listens to listens to Jimmy Dunn. Or maybe that's changed now after what's happened. Mm-hmm. But on the golf course, it's Michael Bannon. And 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 Putton coach he switched Putton coach from uh, from Phil Kenyon uh, to to Brad Faxon because Faxon kind of talked him into this whole idea. Oh, you got to be you know a more natural putter. I, I think Faxon's a bit of a phony to be honest. You know he's a decent enough putter himself, but I don't think he's any kind of Putton coach. Um, so he does, but you know for Rory to change is a really you know or change the people around him. It's a yeah. It's, 
takes a lot. I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not saying I, to sack everybody involved. I just mean, maybe just by the sounds of a lot of what you're saying there, it's, it's maybe take a few more things on board. But obviously in his own head, he's doing pretty well as well. It's not as though he's Ricky Fowler who dropped off the face of the earth in the last while. You wanted to come back in there, Joe? Yeah, I just I think one person that Rory could talk to is maybe the USGA because the width of the 18th fairway last night yeah. saved Wyndham Clark in a massive way. I'd been oh, texting yeah. our friend Gavin Cooney, who's absent today, and I said around the 16th, I said what we need badly here is a Mito Pereira meltdown, and we got it. <laughs> but we got it on the 18th with Wyndham Clark bananaed and boomerang the drive way out to the right, but because of the width of that fairway, like. That drive would have been in the car park or beyond it in most major championship 18 holes. And instead, the caddy was like, yeah, you're okay. You're just tucked over on the right. You know, any yeah. other major championship, that's that's Rory's that's Rory's win. I was going to say, that was just, you're dead right, Joe. That was a horrific shot. That was like a 50-yard wipey slice. I mean, that's, you know, Saturday morning at the golf club stuff, except with an yeah. extra 75 yards on it. <laughs> Joe, on the LPGA Tour, Leona Maguire, four birdies and an eagle in her final six holes. I, I would presume that course is playing somewhat differently, but uh, there, Rory's not taking her for that, though. There is an obvious <laughs> contrast there. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable victory for her. You interviewed Leona last year. Yeah, yeah, I caught up with Leona last year. Actually, I think it was around this week last year. Um, and, you know, it was funny because if you think 12 months ago, she was already four or five months after her first win. That win in February, her first kind of win on the LPGA Tour was such a huge thing for her. Yeah. And she, well, she never kind of said that she was struggling with getting back down to the nuts and bolts of it. I think the numbers and history proved that she was, you know, I think the four, I, I was looking at it today, the 14 tournaments after her first win, she had five missed cuts and I think only two top tens. But then she knuckled down big time towards the end of last season and finished second in the Tour Championship, which won her over half a million. And she's really carried that into this year. Like, Yesterday was the LPGA Classic and bloody great timing because the KPMG PGA Championship is this week. But she was asked yesterday evening afterwards, you know, she was asked about a big day ahead for Rory. And Rory, if Rory could have had one of those uh, six <laughs> shots, six six strokes that she made up in the final six holes. But she was asked about a big day ahead for Rory. And she did say, oh, yeah, you know, Rory's great. But he was kind of off the scene a little bit by the time I was coming up. And she flipped it straight to Harrington. And what she said was that last year, Harrington, she got out, she had a, like, a, it seems like a proper kind of training session, a bit of a kind of, you know, a drill down with mm-hmm. Porrick Harrington in Ireland ahead of the British Open. But what she'd said to her caddy this weekend in Michigan was that twice, I think on Friday night and Saturday, on the 17th hole, she was saved by up and downs that came straight from Harrington. Right. It was really interesting. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I see the news came out last week, she's committed to a tournament in the Aramco team series presented by Saudi's public investment fund in London in July. I guess um, having seen what happened to Rory, we can't be expecting too many LPGA golfers to be making any principal stands at this point in the matter, Lawrence. Well, no, <laughs> but uh, the, the the kind of Saudi funding of the LPGA, the LPGA can't, can't, can't just can't afford, or the, the LET can't afford to be principled. <laughs> it's, that, it's that sad. I mean, it's not sad, but it's, it's that bold. That's just the way it is. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would. But by the way, I wouldn't get too snooty if for PGA Tour fans because guess what's coming in the PGA Tour? I don't think there's any doubt you'll get what, what when Live Golf goes off the. Uh, we'll be welcome to the Aramco yeah. PGA Tour series, or welcome to the the PGA Tour presented by Aramco. I mean, that's that's where we're heading. That uh, that that's it. So uh, again. You know, there was a um, Meg McLaren, a really erudite, smart uh, LET. 
uh, golfer, she wrote, she originally just said, I'm not going to play in Saudi. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to play in these Aramco series. But the kind of financial realities for, I mean, just hit home. And now she she's, you know, she's crossing her fingers and, and off playing in the, the Aramco series. But as I say, I wouldn't get, you know, on our high horse, uh, but the, uh, the LPGA Tour uh, taking uh, Saudi money because it's, uh, yeah, it'll be coming very, very soon and very, very prominently to mm-hmm. the PGA Tour. Lawrence, Joe, brilliant to have to see you on. Thanks so much. Cheers, lads. All the best. Take your time there. Take your time. Take your time. Relax, relax. Now. Oh, what a pass. What a pass. What a reverse pass. Go! Go! Welcome to Evan Willen. Welcome to Evan. Give him the ball on his feet. He will do the magic. Welcome to Evan. Oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. Welcome to Evan. Willen, Willen, Willen. Fantastic. Welcome to Evan. Ken has gone off on his holidays just in the nick of time. And I don't mean because he gets to avoid Ireland against Gibraltar. <laughs> but it's because one of his beloved recent movies is under attack. It's a spicy chip. It's going to change everything. It will save our factory. And you're a janitor. Okay, no, 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 hang on. This is one of the many movies about origin stories in corporate America that's been <laughs> grinding Ken's gears lately, along with Air. Of course. This one is Flame and Hot. Is that the name of it? I think it is flaming yeah. hot. Eva Longoria, who made the movie, was welcomed to the White House a few days ago for a screening of her story of the Mexican-American janitor Richard Montañez creating the idea for the flaming hot flavoured Cheeto snack. Montañez claims he got some plain unflavoured Cheetos from the factory back in the day. He and his wife, Judy, developed spicy seasoning, applied it to the Cheetos and sent samples to Frito-Lay executives. I know I don't look it, but I got a PhD. Hmm. I'm poor, hungry and determined, sir. But <laughs> sorry, but if I do apologize, I know that one really sticks in your craw. But the LA Times contradicted his claims, citing interviews with employees that pointed to the spicy snack originating in Plano, Texas in 1989. Before Montañez was an employee, it was another employee, Lynn Greenfield, who reportedly developed and named the product. But there is always someone else who said they came up with the plan, isn't there, Murph? Mm. In a statement last year, parent company Frito-Lay said, we value Richard's many contributions to our company, especially his insights into Hispanic consumers, but we do not credit the creation of Flamin' Hot Cheetos or any Flamin' Hot products to him. The White House has defended its decision to screen the film with an anonymous official saying it was not a documentary, but an opportunity for Americans from different backgrounds to see themselves reflected in film and celebrated by the president according to the Associated Press. Oh, this is news that we will relay to Ken upon his return. Oh, don't worry. Return. Don't worry, we'll make sure. The, uh, this will definitely pass Ken's desk. It's important that yeah. he knows this. That's it for today's show. We have got Flynn and Murphy coming up, Richie and Damien coming up. There's a hell of a lot going on in the World Service. So we will talk to you. If you remember, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, On. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to have a look at signing up on secondcaptains.com. You will hear every episode of the pod ad-free if you become a member. And the Second Captains podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. <coughs>
That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 